Would you like me to seduce you? That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, he walks in a mine. Why is the rum always Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's a trap! Hey guys, welcome to the Celluloid Fiends Podcast. I'm your host, Mo Long. Thanks, as always, for listening. We really appreciate your support. And you know what would really help us out? Go over to the iTunes store, leave us a rating, leave us a review, subscribe. You can check us out on Twitter at Celluloid Fiends. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mitchell C. Long. And you can check out my website, cupofmo.com, for film reviews and a lot more. As always, here in the studio, a.k.a. half of my bedroom, I've got my wonderful co-host. Gabriel Orto, here for the Celluloid Fiends. If you want to go to our Facebook page and give us a like, that would also be wonderful. Now, I want to take you back to a time, one year ago, October 3rd. And it was a Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, we wear Halloween 3 shirts. <laughs> Because that's what we're reviewing tonight for our one-year anniversary, Halloween 3. Gabe and I have both been really excited about doing this review, and I think before we even recorded our first episode, we came up with a list of potential films to review, and we had both suggested this one. So, actually, this is a a rare joint pick. I don't think we've done a joint pick before. No, I think it's usually, uh, well, maybe the first episode. Yeah, I think the first one was The Conjuring, so... And I think that was a joint pick as well. But, yeah, we're, we're talking about Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, and I know we both have some very strong feelings on, on this film. Oh, yes. So, this movie came out in 1982 and was directed and written by Tommy Lee Wallace. It holds a 42% critic rating and 25% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, both of which I think are kind of on the low side. I'm actually surprised. A little bit. It had a budget of $2.5 million and reaped $14 million at the box office. So, while Halloween 3 follows John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween and the 1981 sequel Halloween 2, it's the only film in the franchise to not feature antagonist Michael Myers. Instead, it opens on October 23rd with shop owner Harry Grimbridge being chased through Northern California. He's rushed to a hospital clutching a jack-o'-lantern mask, where he's seen by Dr. Dan Chalice. But a mysterious man murders Grimbridge before lighting himself on fire. The next day, Grimbridge's daughter Ellie shows up and, suspecting foul play, begins investigating his murder. Chalice joins, and the two end up in the town of Santa Mira, California, which houses the shady Silver Samrock Novelties Company run by Connell Cochran, responsible for manufacturing, among other things, a trio of Halloween masks. There's a jack-o'-lantern, like Harry was clutching in the opening scene, a witch and a skeleton. So, tell me, Gabe, what was your first time seeing this film? Um, I was probably about I was probably about fourteen years old because a few years ago I'd watched um, the first Halloween. I watched Halloween Six, which was the first Halloween I ever watched, and I started watching the entire series. 
But eventually it came down to I didn't want to watch Halloween 3 because it didn't have Michael Myers, and, and I knew this. But eventually it came time to... I'm like, well, I've seen them all. I might as well watch this one. So I watched it, and at first I was a little confused, but as I grew up a little more, I started to realize what they were trying to do with the franchise. And I... It grew on me, and I really started to love Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. It's interesting that the first one you saw was Curse. The first Halloween movie that I ever saw was Halloween 5. But my introduction to Halloween 3 was actually on the big screen at one of our favorite theaters, Carolina Theater of Durham. Their retro film series had a double feature of Evil Dead 2 and Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So, quick PSA. If you're in North Carolina, or if you're taking a road trip through North Carolina... Stop at the Carolina Theater. Phenomenal theater. Gabe and I both love it. They have amazing retro film series and a ton of festivals. They get a lot of indie movies. It's a gem. And also, if you live in the Durham area of North Carolina, another public service announcement, if you see an orange tabby cat with freckles on his nose, his name is Dorito, and that is my cat... And please don't hesitate to contact the celluloid fiends as we are looking for my cat right now. He is lost. Yeah. Uh, it, would, it would be nice to hear some news about Dorito. So, you said you were confused when you first saw Halloween 3. Yes. What confused you? What were your initial thoughts? And how have they changed since your first viewing? Um, I was just confused because... It, like, I thought, like, oh, maybe it's just in the world of Michael Myers or something like that. But it was just, like, completely different in a different universe. Like, like the movie still exists in this universe, but it, it exists as a movie. So I was kind of confused by that. I was a bit young in my film-loving days. And um, I... The movie, the more I watch it, the more I love it. The jokes, the way the story is, I, I, I appreciate it more as an adult, as more than I than I did when I was a kid. Yeah, because it's, it's not a flawless film. I think we'll probably dig into that in a little bit. I want to circle back to it. But I think there is a lot of nuance to Halloween 3. It's also a very self-aware film. Luckily, I think two things really helped me out when I first watched it. One was that I was an adult, and I'd been kind of writing for Examiner.com as a film critic, so I knew a lot about film at that point. But the other, I think, was also just knowing that Michael Myers wasn't in this movie. I didn't know the plot, but I at least knew that much, and so I think that kind of helped me to set my expectations. Although... I guess technically Michael Myers is in the movie because they have previews for Halloween, Halloween which is showing for the horathon on TV. Yes. But I think one quality about Halloween 3 that I really enjoy and upon subsequent viewings, because this is a film I really return to a lot that sticks with me is just how dark it is it, it's very nihilistic and the plot itself is incredibly dark 
yeah. which is Conal Cochran has these masks which have a piece of Stonehenge and a little chip on the back and this commercial plays with this really happy Silver Shamrock Eight More Days Till Halloween 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 that jingle that plays and it channels the power of Stonehenge into kids wearing it and these insects and snakes burst through their corpses and he has this monologue at the end of the film where he's explaining his plan to Chalice and talking about how he wants to see Halloween have a return to its original roots and talks about the blood of children flowing on the ground yeah it's weird I saw this video once that was explaining Halloween all the Halloween movies in animated form and, oh, no. and they were just like, and they, they basically explain it, and then they're like, and eh, something about some Stonehenge or something like that. <laughs> the the Stonehenge part is actually one of my favorite moments in the film, because Chalice is watching some news report at the beginning of the film about uh, Stone from Stonehenge being stolen, and then at the end, uh, Colonel Cochran explains it by, away just by saying something to the effect of, we had a time getting it here. You wouldn't believe how we did it. And that's just the explanation. <laughs> Which I sort of appreciate the way that Halloween 3 is self-aware enough to admit it's a completely outlandish plot. Right. And not even try to offer some sort of rational explanation for how they stole part of Stonehenge. There was an episode, actually, of Power Rangers that came out within the last two, three years... Where they ask, like, the the mentor or leader, not the lead the head Power Ranger, but, like, their mentor. And he's, like, about something. He's, like, you wouldn't believe how we did it. Yeah. And then the alarm goes off and they have to go into action and they never explain it. <laughs> and I love it when they do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a classic trope right there. But, you know, I, th- I think it's successful when it's pulled off well. I think another part of Halloween 3 that I like is the way that there's a lot of ambiguity. So, the way the film ends, Chalice escapes the Santa Mira Silver Shamrock headquarters and makes it to a gas station. It's the same one that Harry Grimbridge was at at the beginning of the film. He's and, on the, phone. And, the and the gas station attendant is like, oh my god, more crazy white people. <laughs> Pretty much. And Chalice is begging for the commercials to be taken off the air. The first station obliges, the second station obliges, and he's screaming for the third one to take it off, and it ends with him just yelling, stop it. So, it's one of those endings that you don't really know exactly what happens. Does the third channel take it off the air? Does the commercial play? This is on the West Coast. Had it already aired on the East Coast? What What do you think happened at the end of Halloween 3? I think that it showed on the East Coast first. And I don't think they got the word till a little late on, on the West Coast. So I think there was an outbreak of children dying on the West Coast. Maybe not as bad as what happened on the East Coast. Yeah. That's that's kind of the takeaway that I had after first watching the film. 
and I've continued to kind of hold on to that belief after subsequent viewings. Although I did see, I think it was somewhere online, I can't remember what, some fan claimed that he asked Tom Atkins, who plays Chalice in Halloween 3, if Chalice was successful in taking all the commercials off the air. And reportedly Tom Atkins replied, Oh, hell yeah, or something to that effect, which just seemed like a very Tom Atkins thing that's to a, that's say. A, that's a, that's a, Tom Atkins is totally... Seems like the total cool dad joke kind of guy. Yeah. And call you things like champ and sport <laughs> and things like that. Thrill me. Like, yeah, it's like... But he's also kind of a deadbeat husband and father in the aspect of the movie. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, I forgot to pick up the kids. I gotta go. I gotta go. Ah. Ch- I gotta go chase this mask maker in Santa Mira with a random hussy. <laughs> Not to mention, he's also making out with the coroner. Yeah, he's just he's just walking around. <laughs> Kissing and stooping everybody in sight in this fucking movie, but I I feel like he was perfectly cast in this oh, role. Oh yeah, there's no <laughs> other person I want to see in this role other than Tom Atkins. Yeah, he's just hopping into bed with Ellie as soon as they roll up to the motel. Pretty much, they just hop in bed together, and there's this line where he's offering to stay in the car. Uh, because he says it would be more comfortable on the floor, and Ellie just goes, well, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? <laughs> and it's, just, it's one of those moments that just makes this movie the cult classic that it is. <laughs> because I think this is a cult classic. You, would you agree? Yes, this is definitely a cult classic. A lot of people, there are some people still that do not like Halloween 3, and I can see why, but it's grown more as a cult movie, it's grown more in the last 10 years than it has in the 30 years it's been around. And more than 30 years. This is a movie I absolutely think is worth the revisionist history that it's had. Right. And I even think, at the time, it should have gotten better reviews, but I feel like just having the Halloween name was detrimental to its reception. Like, if this had just been called Season of the Witch, do you think it would have been better received? Oh, yeah. I see what they were trying to do with Halloween. They were trying to basically make it a kind of film series where every time you would get a different story... Which is fine, but it's not what we were used to, and people did not take well to that in the 80s. It was a very original concept back then. We can't, like Cloverfield's kind of doing that now, where every story is like a different story and stuff like that, but it people don't, didn't take well to it. it. It makes a little more sense in our day and age to do something like that, because people can get that through the magic of the internet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. See, basically, back then, the only way they had to know about stuff like this was through magazines and through word of mouth. I, I also 
think though that by having Halloween and then Halloween two, it was probably slightly confusing because I see what they were trying to do, and I just think it would have been more successful if the second entry in the series was had a complete, been completely different. Exactly, story. and then you had Halloween three, season of the witch. In that case, I think everything would have been fairly well received, ideally. Yes. But there's no way of really knowing. Do you think... Do you, What do you think the series would be like if Halloween 3 had been very well received? And then, and then it had spun off an anthology series instead of continuing with Michael Myers. I think that it would have spawned maybe some more great ideas. There's nothing against Michael Myers. I love the concept, but it got tired after a little while. And and after Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I'm like, Halloween needs to take oh, no. a 10-year break. like Because it was tired and old, and I was just done with it. And thankfully, they did that before this new retcon basically came out. But, like, it's not... I don't think Michael Myers is something that could last seven movies again. Agreed. And, ooh, the Rob Zombie remakes. Were awful. They were terrible. God awful. I remember when I saw Resurrection, I thought that was bad. No. Then... I got to the Rob Zombie remakes, and it redefined atrocious. Basically, Michael Myers just goes around killing people who look like they would be fans at a Rob Zombie concert. Right. That's, that's the plot. And, and here's the thing. Like, Rob Zombie had two previous horror movies before he remade Halloween. He had House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. And he was coming hot off of Devil's Rejects when they hired him to do the Halloween series. I haven't seen either of those. They're very good movies, but they're very much Rob Zombie style. And I used to say, the only person I want to... And I used to say, the only person that should remake Halloween is Rob Zombie. I think it was because I was young and stupid and I thought that those movies were great. It just figures that he was like... The new hot filmmaker, basically, at the time. He was the James Wan after Saw, basically. You know what I mean? He he was new and fresh on the scene. We, we wanted to see more of him. So let's give him an old franchise to reboot. And I feel like he dropped the ball with all of it. Because he... Like, I like his original movies. I think all his original movies are better than the Halloween movies he put out. Hmm. Yeah, part of me wants to go back and explore some of his original films, but after the clusterfucks that were his Rob uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2, I have zero desire to go watch any of his other films. Especially Halloween 2, just playing Nights in White Satin the whole goddamn time. It, it was... It, it was... I see what he was going for, but in the world of Halloween, I didn't feel it really can. It didn't connect with me at all. I didn't really like other than the actor that played like Little Michael, like 
and Danielle Harris in the movie. Well, um, in Halloween 2, um, there was a lady who played a nurse in the movie that was in a movie with me called Honey Spider. And she's a real nice lady. I just did not enjoy Halloween 2. She's a great actress, but Halloween 2 is just not my favorite movie in the world. Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Right. Uh, I knew what you were what you were going for there. The original Halloween 2, it's pretty solid. And right. I almost look at it as just like one movie along with the original Halloween. Right. But getting back to Halloween 3, one part that really intrigues me is a lot of the kills. They're not... The body count's pretty low unless you count any on-screen deaths from the commercial playing. But yet, all of the deaths were really striking and memorable, even though they seem pretty simple. Like, there's one reseller of Silver Shamrock Masks, Marge. He gets blasted in the face by a piece of Stonehenge. And there's a shot that just, like, lingers on her face with these bugs crawling out. And it's just very striking. And then, I think probably the heaviest scene in the film was where this family buddy buddy junior and betty are all locked in this room watching the commercial or yeah. basically watching the magic pumpkin and buddy junior has the mask on and these parents are just watching their kid as basically his face disintegrates and all these snakes and bugs come out and so they're watching in horror as their kid dies before they're killed by snakes in the room most even hardcore horror films aren't ballsy enough to kill a kid. But people fail to forget that one of John Carpenter's very first movies was a movie called Attack on Precinct Thirteen, and in that movie he kills a child. Yeah, the little girl uh, with the ice cream. Yeah, that was brutal. It and it's tough watching in Halloween Three. That's at least central to the plot, though. In Assault on Precinct 13, that just felt like a very unnecessary scene. But. I don't know. But that's one thing I, I do really appreciate about Halloween 3. It just seems very much a film that colors outside the lines. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. I think it would be remiss to talk about this movie without discussing the soundtrack. Soundtrack's fantastic. It might be... It might be my favorite movie soundtrack of all time of any movie genre. There is a lot of good soundtracks out there, so I will not say it's my favorite, but it's definitely in, let's say, top 15. That's fair. That's very fair. Because there's so many soundtracks. They got the Jurassic World, Star Wars. I mean, Jurassic Park, Star Wars, Home Alone, um, the original Halloween, Alien, Alien. Aliens, um, Gremlins, Lord of Illusions. Of course, <laughs> we this wouldn't be a celluloid fiends episode if we did not bring up Bacula and Lord of Illusions. Once you go Bacula. You never go back, Yilla. <laughs> I think that dark synth vibe really kind of helps to set a, a nice auditory backdrop 
for this movie that's very brooding. And also kind of give it sort of what I felt was a sci-fi kind of vibe. Like, it's definitely got its horror elements, but it almost feels more sci-fi in a way to me. Did you get that It feels a little sci-fi. Especially with the synth and stuff like that. But that, like, the synth has become a staple in movies that John Carpenter directed, which he did not this one, or movies that he was he's even a little bit involved with, which he was involved with this. Right. Because the soundtrack was composed by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. Yes. And I, I think the opening credits to me are really striking in this movie. With You don't see the full magic pumpkin but you just see these lines kind of progressively building right. of it on the TV screen and then you hear that ominous synth kind of building to a crescendo so I thought this was a it was a really solid soundtrack with that we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to keep talking about Halloween 3 enjoy the horror fun doctor and don't forget to watch the big giveaway afterwards. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? Mr. Kupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices. The part of our world. Our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment, and it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. Hey guys, we're back and we're talking about Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. So, like I mentioned earlier, this is not a flawless film. Notably, I think the plot is kind of outlandish, although I still love it. And 
Film critic Jim Harper even said, any plot dependent on stealing a chunk of Stonehenge and shipping it secretly across the Atlantic is going to be shaky from the start. One of the biggest areas that I think Halloween 3 is a bit cheesy is definitely some of the dialogue. And also, I think just Chalice's character to begin with. Because he's going around just giving mustache rides to everyone oh, who yeah, walks he in the just, door. He is a male slut <laughs> all, all <laughs> over the great state of California. He's such a floozy. <laughs> but also the fact that he's a doctor. But inevitably, I forget that somewhere halfway through the film. And I'm just like, yeah, he's a detective. And I'm like, wait, no. He's, He's a, a doctor. doctor. <laughs> Why is he walking and he around just takes detective? random leaves of absence <laughs> from work and fatherhood to go chase mass makers with <laughs> random girls. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. You may not know this about Gabriel Orto, but I do work at a hospital. And I knew, do know that the doctors there hold their positions in pretty high regard and they show up on the regular so what he is doing is not very good <laughs> characteristic of doctors. And he just spends half the movie drinking. Yeah. Like there's I think there's one part when Ellie shows up looking for Chalice at a bar and she just goes, The nurses said I could find you here. Yeah. And then even when they're when they're packing up I don't think either of them bring any clothes and Chalice just brings a six pack of beer. Right. But Again, what I like is just how self-aware this movie is. Like when they get to the motel, they're unpacking, and the motel owner looks in their trunk and pulls out the one tiny bag and goes, oh, light packers. So it definitely is a film that's able to kind of make fun of itself a bit as it's going on, and it knows that it has some cheesy elements to it. Ultimately, though, I kind of feel like Halloween 3 overcomes a lot of its cheesiness. What are your thoughts? I feel like some cheese is needed in some of these movies like this. It kind of brings out like the inner child of the movie a little bit. Like a little laugh once in a while doesn't kill you. Absolutely. And what I also think is kind of cool is the way that this seems to fall into... I also like the way that Halloween 3 kind of falls into a unique space in that it has some comedic moments, but it's very dry and subtle humor. So, to me it just seems very unique. It's not a horror comedy the likes of Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness, but it's not just straightforward horror like the original Halloween. Right. In fact... I don't know about you, but I can't think of another film that has this balance to it. I do believe Evil Dead 2 does have a sort of a balance, but I feel like this is a little bit more serious than Evil Dead 2. Agreed. Because things like the moment when Ash uh, chops his arm off and then traps it under the bucket in the Farewell to Arms book is right on top. Like that's it's very slapstick. I agree. I think Evil Dead Two does have kind of a lot of subtlety to it, and a lot of nuance, and a lot of complexity. But it also has just over the top slapstick moments. And Halloween Three 
just definitely definitely feels more muted. So I kind of like that about it. Right. And overall, I do think it's just a very well done movie. The cinematography is the cinematography is phenomenal. I think it has some of the best opening credits in any movie that I've seen. Alongside Halloween 4. I love the Halloween 4 opening credits. The soundtrack is pretty on point. And I thought the acting generally was pretty solid. Of course, it's mostly Tom Atkins. Who is a phenomenal actor. (laughs) Is there any actor better than Tom Atkins? Bagula. Okay, well, that's a given. Of course, Batkins is better. <laughs> Once you go Atkins, you never go. On the Atkins? On the Atkins diet? Oh, well. <laughs> so, after rewatching Halloween 3, I decided to go back and watch the original Halloween series all over again. Let's rank them. Oh man. Yeah. That's hard. Um, okay. N- numero uno is the original Halloween. Number two, Halloween three. Then Halloween two, four, five, H um H two O Curse of Michael Myers and Resurrection. Those those are good rankings and I think it's fairly similar to how I have mine. Mine would be I'm get, I'm going to go with a ballsy pick here but I'm going to save number 1, Halloween 3. Number 2, the original. Then H2O. Halloween 2 Halloween 4 5 Curse Resurrection Rob Zombie remakes in no particular order because they were just a steaming pile of shit and something I excluded off the list because not everybody has seen it is the new Halloween movie that just came out Right. And I would have to rank that... If I really had to rank that right now, I would put it... Right after Halloween 4 on my list. That's fairly high up. Uh, I still, as of the recording of this episode, have not seen the new Halloween. Part of me is really excited to watch it because it's just a franchise that... I kind of fell in love with ever since I watched Halloween 5 back in the day. But it also just kind of looks like a rehash of basically every single Halloween movie except for Halloween 3. Which I guess isn't necessarily a negative quality. It just doesn't look as fresh as maybe I'd prefer. So a remake that I am a lot more excited about is the Suspiria remake. Because it just looks like it has a lot more style and it looks like it does something different as opposed to the new Halloween which kind of glosses over some Halloween movies and skips over some lore and seems to just be basically the original Halloween again 
but with older characters. I will say this. If you really love the original, I think you'll like this the new movie because it brings it back to basics, really. Evil man killing neighborhood scared people. Like it's just it's it's what made the original so great. And some people complain, oh, they didn't do a lot new with it. Well, like, we've tried the new thing. It was called Rob Zombie's Halloween. Who knew? Yeah, I guess. I just still feel like there is some sort of middle ground between another sequel, something like Rob Zombie's Halloween... And then Halloween 3. I feel like there is some sort of middle ground where you can maybe do just a really intelligent sequel or try to spin something off and do an anthology series. So do you think if this had happened in present day as opposed to back in the 80s where we had Halloween 1 and 2 and then Halloween 3 which was trying to be an anthology film, do you think that it... Do you think that it would have been more successful? I think that it could have been more successful these days because people can catch word of what they're really trying to do over the internet. Mm-hmm. The internet is big, and it was non-existent when this movie came out. Right. Because, I mean, there was stuff like Fangoria, but that really wasn't anything like a substitute for the internet. Right. Uh, and I also think, kind of going along with that, there's streaming services which could have championed it. Like, it could have been like a Netflix original or something. I think they're just more, a lot more content delivery services as well as kind of channels to give something coverage. So, I, I think it, I agree. I think it would have been more successful. Uh, I also, this might be tough for both of us, but I want to play fantasy casting a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah, you know what I'm going to ask. Oh, you? man. You know what I'm going to ask. Can't. I don't know if I can recast that. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and ask it. Who do you think could have been Chalice? Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, okay. Walk me through this. Convince me. <laughs> Thrill me. Billy Bob Thornton just plays man slut real good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what? I, I could I could see that. I don't know if he could pull off the doctor, but he definitely pull off manslot. Yeah. I, I could I could see that. I, I think my pick that or Owen Wilson. Ooh. Ooh, I like it. I could see Owen Wilson as as Chalice. And maybe Will Farrell as Conal Cochran. <laughs> that would definitely make for a funnier Halloween 3 uh, Are we going to get a Halloween 3 version of Boats and Hoes? Wait, wait, alright, I'm not done Vince Vaughn is Ellie Boom! Oh, man, perfect yeah. Print it up, this man's a fucking genius you can call John Carpenter <laughs> <laughs> I think so I think if I were casting anyone else as Chalice let me preface it by saying I think there only is one Dr. Chalice and that is Tom Atkins if I had cast someone else 
I I feel like I could see Harrison Ford. Bit old, bit seasoned. Yeah, but I, I could maybe I could a see younger him. Harrison Ford. I was thinking like a young, like Blade Runner era Harrison Ford. Well, I think I could see it. Or I could also see, and this is actually going by one of my favorite movies, which I I hope that we cover on the show sometime. The Craft, or um, not the Craft, uh, the Legacy. I could see Sam Elliott. Yeah, he he had the mustache, and uh, I think you've seen the Legacy. Yeah, as well, yes. but in that movie, Sam Elliott really is kind of this like kind of macho guy, but he's investigating what's going on, and he's definitely supposed to be sort of a hunk. I can see Sam Elliott. So I think Sam Elliott, even in his older age, still is. St- I still think could play that role. Yeah, no, I, I think if he, you've seen him on the ranch, I think that you could see what I'm talking about. I haven't seen the ranch, but I've seen trailers for it. Yeah, I think I think he would be a good stand-in, but my first pick is always going to be Tom Atkins. Oh, Tom Atkins, number one overall. So we've talked a little bit about Halloween three. Someone's good about it. Some of his lesser qualities. What movies do you feel like, if any? Has Halloween three inspired? Um. The question is: Is what Halloween movies has it not inspired? That's that's a good point. They um. They kind of. I feel like, even with the mass, they kind of help the generation kind of envision Halloween, like, but the original mass. That's something they did with movies like Trick or Treat and stuff like that. And I think they really... It just... And it looks so beautiful. It, like, it helped cinematography out. It did. Yeah. The, the masks, I think, are... Part of what makes this movie spectacular, for me at least. Because it really... Like, the original Halloween... And I think even more so had that October Halloween vibe. Right. And it even had some sort of kind of almost anti-corporation message to it. it. Yeah. Yeah, with talking about this conspiracy by Silver Shamrock to kind of murder all the children of the world. Not only that, they kind of like took over this town. Yeah. Or they created the town, or they took it over, and like everybody's brainwashed to thinking this Silver Shamrock is like the saving grace of the town. And I'm glad you mentioned this. Speaking of taking over things, was Ellie a robot the whole time or not? I don't know. What I really like to think is that um, she was still locked in that room. Yeah, that's that's what I like to think as well. But. I, I think that's an intriguing part of this movie is that you don't really know. Like, for all we know, Cochran sent Ellie as an android to Dr. Chalice to lure him to Santa Mira to investigate what was going on because he wanted to off Chalice and kind of head that off. I don't know. I still think that it was Ellie at the beginning and up until 
she saw her dad's car, and then she was kidnapped, locked in the room, and the android was sent off with Chalice. That's what I like to believe. But as many times as I've watched that, you know what that, that would mean. I don't know. You know what that mean, right? That would mean Cochran created the world's first fully automated sex robot. Who knew? Well. I don't think it was intended as a sex robot, but any robot that Dr. Chalice is around is automatically a fucking sex robot. That's right. Because he's fucking everything. Ah, yeah, you know what? There was probably a deleted scene where he was banging Connell Cochran. Oh, I know, right? Jeez. Uh, He probably fucked the Halloween masks. (laughs) What did you think about the end? I loved the end. I loved the uncertainty of the end. Mm. I loved what they did with um, not really telling you what really happened in the end. I agree. Uh, I love I love the finale. The escape from the Silver Shamrock warehouse. That just makes me laugh. Because there is one moment that I feel like kind of deviates a little bit. And it might be my least favorite moment in the whole movie. At the same time, one of my favorite scenes. Which is where Ellie and Chalice are sneaking out of the warehouse. And they have this like cart of all the Halloween masks. And I'm just like, when did this become an Abbott and Costello movie? (laughs) It just becomes way too slapstick. And there are guards that clearly are looking at them and just don't say anything about a cart. They're like, oh, just a random rack. Yeah. And that's, that's my one minor complaint about this movie. Because a lot of the other places that are chock full of cheesiness can kind of be overlooked because you know it's self-aware or it's intentionally cheesy but that's just one moment where I'm like okay you, you lost me out right but it's a quick moment though and ultimately I, I still love this film so I absolutely love this film why don't we go ahead and rate this bad boy alright well Halloween 3 my good faithful friend I give you a 4.8 on the celluloid fiend scale for my pure love and originality of your film that's that's a really good score and that's almost identical to mine I think this might be the highest either of us have rated a film on the show yet I'm going with a 4.7 uh, I don't think it's a perfect film. It's it has its flaws. It's cheesy in places. It I feel like it kind of loses the tone a little bit at times, but it is completely fresh. It, it's very unique and hard for me to think of a movie like it. The cinematography is masterful. It's got one of the best soundtracks I've ever heard. The opening credits are phenomenal, and it's got the Aptons. Oh yeah. So, I, I think it's probably the best film in the Halloween series. Even better than the original, and I love the original. I might get some shit for saying that, but I'm sticking by it. And, 
It just feels to like it really embodies the holiday. Oh yeah, it, it, it embodies the holiday. I think it really encapsulates the originality of the series without Michael Myers. I think it was the best thing they could have done if they didn't want to include Michael Myers. And it's just sad that people didn't get it at the time. Yeah, because Halloween 3 truly shows the potential that an anthology series like this could have produced. Right. Especially with the way that it sort of delves into the sci-fi genre a bit. Whereas the first two Halloweens and any of the subsequent Halloweens didn't. Like for some reason, Halloween three reminds me of some films like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Fly, and I really like the way that it kind of balances the horror and sci-fi elements a lot. There is a little bit of a sci-fi element. Yeah. Well, that's our show for the evening. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget check us out on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Subscribe. And also, if you want to go to Facebook and give us a like, go right ahead. And Gabe and I love making picks, but if you have a pick, let us know, and we'll give you a shout-out on the show. Gather round your TV set, put on your masks, and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third commercial, it's still on, please. Take off the third channel, the third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please, for God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to, please, stop it, stop it now. Turn it off, turn it off. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it.